0: Greetings and welcome to Moments of Grace. I am the Reverend Canon Rob Donahue, and I am with you today with an installment of Collected Thoughts. This is an amalgamation of some sermon material that I've put together uh, from roughly the, the end of the Easter season uh, as we approach Ascension and looking f- forward towards Pentecost. And when I was asked by Father Bryce to put together some of my sermon material, he asked me for a title. And it took me a couple of days to, to put something together, but I came up with Expectation Eggs And entropy. Now, those might seem to be three disparate and rather unrelated topics, but I do think they are actually all united. And in listening to the material that I that you're about to hear, I hope that you will pick up on the common theme. I'm always reminded of that famous quote. um, Flannery O'Connor made it famous, but it was actually from Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. All that rises must converge. So, in these collected thoughts, I hope that you will discover. The unity of the message, and to see that the point is that Christ is always with us. His abiding presence is with us through his resurrection and ascension and in the power of his Holy Spirit. So, on to the first of these collected thoughts, expectation. The following is from a homily that was preached on May 16th, and the text in question on May 16th was from the Gospel according to John, chapter 14, verses 21 through 26. The Gospel says this, "'Jesus said, "'They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, "'and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. "'Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, "'Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world?' Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. So, many of us have probably attended a baseball game. I know that uh, the Charleston River Dogs is a sort of popular thing to do. And every once in a while, the River Dogs would put on a fireworks display. Usually it was on a Friday or Saturday night game. And they often advertise that they're going to be having fireworks following the conclusion of the baseball game. And let's just say, for the sake of argument, that you Saw an advertisement for fireworks at the end of a baseball game and decided to go down to the River Dog Stadium, expecting to see a massive spectacle with loud booms and and lots of light showering the the night sky over the Ashley River. But what happened what would happen if you attended such a baseball game and then when you walked through the gate, they the attendant handed you a sparkler. And then at the end of the baseball game, everyone was encouraged to light their sparkler, and that alone was going to be the fireworks display. Your expectation would have been a little bit dashed, I would think. And there is something of this going on in the gospel lesson that we just heard. Judas, not Iscariot, asks Jesus how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world and the thing to keep in mind is that the expectation the disciples had this is before Jesus was crucified the expectation that the disciples had was that Jesus as the messiah was going to issue in a new reign for the kingdom of Israel and it was going to be known throughout the world the messiah was supposed to have sort of a, a worldly and cosmic significance that could not be denied. And so Judas, not Iscariot, quite rightly was asking, well, if our expectation is that you're supposed to be a very public Messiah, a very public figure that all of the world is going to acknowledge in majesty, how is it that you're going to reveal yourself just to us? just to these, you know, this small group of insiders and not to the rest of the world. There's an expectation of one thing. And then when Jesus says, "Actually, no, your expectation is wrong," there's some confusion. And I think that the lesson for us in in this gospel text is that we have to understand what it is for Jesus to reveal himself to us and not to the rest of the world. And Jesus' commandment to his disciples is love one another. That's where we will find Jesus. That's where Jesus will reveal himself to us if we are able to love one another. That is where Jesus will be found. And cultivating the practice of loving one another allows us to see the presence of God not necessarily on a grand scale, but on a microscopic level or on a small level. You have to start small before you can go big. And if you can, if you can learn in detail what it means to love, to love your neighbor, to love those closest to you, then eventually the big picture will emerge. It's sort of like a a, a pointillism painting. If you are focused in on a small segment of a, a, a painting that's done with a, using the method of pointillism, it's just dots. Once you begin to appreciate the fact that each one of those dots is integral to the larger picture and then are able to, to zoom out, that's when you see the larger picture come into greater focus. It's the same way with our realizing and understanding the presence of Jesus. If we are able to appreciate just the world around us. Begin there. Begin with those closest to us and love them as, as Jesus would have us love them. Love them as we love ourselves. If we can see that, it's, only, it's by beginning there that we can expand our hearts and understand this is how Jesus is revealed in the wider world. Another way that Jesus puts this is, is in the following statement. He says, If you are faithful in little, you will also be faithful in much, So much of the world that we live in right now, if you look around us, there's a lot of ugliness, there's a lot of ills in, in the world, ills in society. And if you're looking for the presence of God on a wide, grand scale, that's going to be somewhat problematic. But if we begin close to home, if we begin with those around us, if we begin with our neighbors, if we begin with those in our communities, and if we cultivate love there, if we can see the presence of Christ in our neighbor and those who are sitting next to us, if we can start on a small scale, then we can begin to grow into an understanding of how God reveals God's self in the wider world. If you cultivate love on that small scale, over time, you will begin to see the bigger picture emerge. And so if your expectation is that you're going to be able to see Jesus or see God's presence in the entire world, it's that small sparkler that is going to allow you to see the larger fireworks. Yes, your expectation might be dashed. You might might be disappointed that you're not seeing a grand, grand grand-scale thing. But you are going, over time, to see the beauty and the grace in the lives of those closest to you. And now we are going to hear a bit of a song about turning on the radio, expecting to hear regular music, but instead discovering that the music is the gateway to something even more amazing, Starman by David Bowie.
1: Oh, what time it was the lights were low oh oh I leaned back on my radio oh oh some cat was laying down some rock and roll at a soda then the loud sound that seemed to fight came back like a slow voice on a wave of fight, fight, fight. that was no DJ that was crazy because There's a star man waiting in the sky He'd like to come and meet us But he thinks he'd blow our mind
0: I was informed during the break that the proper title for this program should be Gathered Thoughts, not Collected Thoughts. Oops. But as I told Father Bryce, that goof-up actually fits in rather well with the next meditation. Because in this next meditation, I'm going to be talking about eggs. At least kind of. So it's only fitting that I've got a little egg on my face. In any case, the next meditation we've got lined up, is based on the text we heard on Wednesday, May 18th. The text is taken from chapter 15 of the Gospel according to John, and the reading is as follows. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you, Abide in me, as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. So when I was growing up, we would go and visit my grandmother who lived on the outskirts of Lexington, South Carolina. And she lived on a farm and had a, a chicken coop and a muscadine arbor. They were about 200 yards away from her house. And the coop and the arbor were, were fairly close to one another. And one of the regular jobs that my sister and I had when we would visit my grandmother was to walk down to the chicken coop to retrieve eggs. And we rather enjoyed that aspect of, of visiting Granny. But every once in a while, there was a part of the job that we did not enjoy very much because every now and then granny would get us to go down to the chicken coop and after getting all the eggs we would then have to scoop up the chicken droppings and throw them out by the posts of the muscadine arbor now at the time i didn't quite understand why we had to be specific about where we were throwing chicken droppings so i remember asking granny one day about why the chicken droppings had to go near the muscadine arbor and her answer was that the chicken droppings are what make the grapes. Often in life, we don't quite know how to make sense of things that we think of as useless. Most of us view pain and suffering as having no use in our lives. So we tend to write off pain and suffering as not a part of normal life, but instead as an interruption of how things really ought to be. We'd rather toss out pain and suffering from our lives, but I think there are times when pain and suffering can actually help us to grow. It can be the fertilizer, so to speak, that leads us to a deeper appreciation for our reliance on God's grace. The crucifixion of Jesus is an example of what I'm talking about because by worldly standards and to all outward appearance, Jesus's earthly ministry ended in failure, He was crucified. And can't you just hear bystanders saying, Oh, what a waste! But it was through Jesus' crucifixion that salvation came to the world. So even the wastefulness of death was transformed into the glory of God. And so it is with us. Sometimes when suffering crosses our path, If we draw near to God and remain rooted in God's love, we will eventually discover that even suffering can be transformed, redeemed, and at the last, it can even help us grow in our understanding of God's love for us. And now we're going to have a listen to a little bit of a song about revisiting old places in life that, though they may seem humble or simple, are actually gateways to heaven, where rainbows never die by the steel drivers.
1: I'm an old man now, bound for glory. Time to lay these burdens down. Had enough of this old world to worry. Gonna trade my trouble. Come out clean when I reach the other side, where the sun sets, where rainbows never die.
0: Okay, well, we've talked about expectation, we've talked about eggs, and now we're going to turn our attention to entropy. So, this next meditation is based on the Gospel reading from June 1st, from John's Gospel, chapter 17. Jesus said, Now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them. And not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost, so that the Scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world." I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, so that they also may be sanctified in truth." So I'm not a physics professor, but I've picked up on a couple of concepts in physics over the years, and one of the ones that I've always found rather fascinating is entropy. And in physics, the idea of entropy, at least sort of the the bottom line of the idea of entropy, is that there's a force at work in the universe, um, that energy is always sort of dissipating, um, that You know, the sun is expending its energy, it's burning up all of its fuel, and eventually, billions of years from now, their fuel will run out and it will collapse upon itself and and die. And the idea overall of entropy is that this force of dissolution, this force of sort of, you know, um, petering out, uh, that energy will eventually uh, sort of all peter itself out, um winds up being that, you know, the entire universe after billions and billions and billions of years will die and become cold and every atom in the universe will be infinitely far apart from every other atom in the universe and the universe will become a a cold, dead, lifeless place that 's the sort of the the end line of entropy we see the the forces of entropy at work kind of you know in our daily lives. you know um, our cars run out of gas, we run out of energy, um, people die, people get sick, you know systems break down, entropy is always at work in the world about us. it kind of you could almost say that it is a very worldly force, and I find it rather interesting that whenever we talk about things breaking down or, or um, ceasing to, to operate correctly, we're actually speaking in terms of entropy. Um, when, we, when we talk about our car breaking down, for instance, what we're saying is that parts that should have been working together are no longer working together. They have been separated, or they have dissolved, or they have uh, ceased to function in unity with the other parts of a car. And the same thing can be said, you know, when we get sick, you know, if our bodies are uh, are operating in a normal sort of healthy manner, um, they're operating as a unity. And when we get sick, something's out of balance and something goes wrong or something gets, uh, something gets broken and it breaks down. Again, that's the force of entropy at work in the world. And this is where I think that Jesus's prayer for his disciples, just as he's getting ready uh, to, be, to be lifted up into heaven at his ascension, he prays for their unity. He prays for their unity. Father, may they be one as we are one. And so you could make the argument that what Jesus is, is, is praying for is basically for the forces of entropy not to be at work in his disciples, so that dissolution, separation, the breakdown of relationships, so that that force, those forces, will not be at work in his followers. And often we kind of look at the ascension as, a, as, a, as the ultimate kind of sign of, of separation, that Jesus has lifted up into heaven, has taken away from his disciples. And so we look at that as an almost an, an event, uh, an event of, of separation and removal. But in all actuality, what our faith teaches us is that by Christ's ascension, by Christ rising into heaven, Christ has fulfilled all things. He has not been removed from us in a way that we are separated from God now because he has been raised up into heaven. Actually, quite the opposite is true, that Christ, now that he has been lifted up from the earth, has filled all things, fills all of creation. And the, the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost is this divine fire that is in us now as a result of Christ being taken up into to heaven to fill all things. The gift of the Spirit helps us to understand that and helps us actually to live into the realization that Christ fills all in all. Some of you might be familiar with the monastic author Thomas Merton. is a wonderful uh, story from, uh, I think it's Conjectures of a Guilty Bystander, where he talks about going into louisville to buy supplies and he says this in louisville at the corner of fourth and walnut in the center of the shopping district i was suddenly overwhelmed with the realization that i loved all those people that they were mine and i theirs that we could not be alien to one another even though we were total strangers it was like waking from a dream of separateness of spurious self-isolation in a special world, the world of renunciation and supposed holiness. This sense of liberation from an illusory difference was such a relief and such a joy to me that I almost laughed out loud. I have the immense joy of being a man, a member of a race in which God himself became incarnate as if the sorrows and stupidities of the human condition could overwhelm me, now I realize what we all are. And if only everybody could realize this. But it cannot be explained. There is no way of telling people that they are all walking around, shining like the sun. So does Thomas Merton explain his understanding of oneness, of the connection of all things, of all life one to another. And I think that Merton's meditation on the connection of all things is a timely reminder to us that our Lord intends us to know unity and wholeness.
1: Go away, cloud Don't want to see you when the sun comes out I didn't fly all this way Just to see no gray Nothing to do when it rains on the island Just sit back, no jive smiling Grab your old guitar, drink from Patrick at the bar Take a look around and remember where you are Down in Hopetown, ten toes in the sand And everybody knows it's a mighty fine plan Just sit back, relax and unwind and be kind And baby wait until the warm sun shines Go away blind. Don't want to see you when the sun comes I didn't fly all this way Just to see no gray I want to sit under a blue sky And take a little run and ride Soaking up the good life I-